Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with the 148th episode of Weekly Poker Hand. That is a lot of poker hands. And today we have a hand from a $7,500 buy-in World Poker Tour event that took place at Bay 101. This is typically thought to be one of the softer WPTs. They satellite people into this event all year, and that results in a relatively large field of amateurs, which is certainly fantastic for the professionals. So it's a great place to play, by the way. If you ever have the opportunity to go to Bay 101 during the Shooting Stars tournament every March, definitely give it a try. So straightforward player makes it 1,050 from second position out of his 40,000 chip stack. And I have pocket tens in the low jack seat with 33,000 playing 200, 400 with a 50 ante. So about, we'll call it 80 big blinds. So with pocket tens in this spot, I'm going to be very inclined to call. I think we could three bet, and I don't certainly don't think three betting is bad or anything like that, but especially if the field is soft and the table is soft, I want to take lines that lead to relatively low variance because ideally, like say I have on average a 53% edge every hand we play, which clearly isn't how poker actually works, but let's pretend like it averages out to that. Would I rather play for my entire stack with 53% equity or would I rather play tiny pots with 53% equity. Well, playing for your whole stack with 53% equity will definitely lead to more profit because you're just getting it in over and over 53% equity. The problem is that if you lose your first or second or third hand, you go broke. And going broke is a disaster. So typically, you'd much rather play small and medium pots with your edge and then just keep that edge the whole tournament and never risk going broke. And that's not really how poker tournaments work, but it's a kind of way to think about it. So anyway... With pocket tens here, that's why I like call. If this was a cash game, I would almost certainly three bet. But even then, I think calling's fine versus a straightforward raise. Player in the cutoff calls, button calls. And we see a flop four ways. Flop comes eight, seven, four, two diamonds. And um, the pot's not displaying on the displayer. By the way, if you're not watching this at jonathanlillpoker.com or on YouTube, definitely try to watch these hands. I know that we do put this podcast out on iTunes and Stitcher, but you're going to find watching it will be a little bit more beneficial. And again, you can do that at jonathanlillpoker.com slash WPH. We have all the past episodes there. So if you just want to go find videos to every single one of them lined up as easy as you could pos- as I could possibly make it for you, there they are at jonathanlillpoker.com slash WPH. Anyway, pot is about 5,000. And now the straightforward player bets 5,500 into the 5,000 pot, into three players on eight of diamonds, seven of diamonds, four of spades. Well, typically, if you told me this player made a standard bet of 2,000 or 3,000 or even 4,000, I'm certainly not folding, and I would just call. I don't think there's any merit in raising. If we raise here, the straight four player is probably only going to play a big pot when we are in marginal shape, either when he has a very good draw or when he has an overpair or a set. So we definitely don't want to raise here. We'd much rather call and keep him in with stuff like ace of diamonds, king of hearts, you know, hands that we certainly wouldn't mind if they fold, but at the same time, that's really the only part of our opponent's range that we're loving our hand against. So when he bets 5,500, though, into three players, what in the world does that mean? Typically, it means something because the majority of players would bet, you know, quote unquote, normally with some of their, with, with a wider range. But typically, when you see people betting large, it usually indicates a stronger range than normal, or at least a more polarized range. So if my opponent has a stronger range than normal or polarized range, what does that look like? Well, you can really discount all of the marginal made hands like ace-king. And now we're going to be looking mostly at draws. But notice I have pocket 10, so I block 10-9, right? Which is one of the most obvious draws on 8-7-4. 
and it's going to be premium made hands. My opponent is trying to bet to price out draws that his opponents could have. It's interesting that whenever people bet big, they don't actually understand that they're not really pricing out the draws because imagine I'm sitting here with, I don't know, queen jack of diamonds for a flush draw and this guy bets 5,500. There's no way I'm folding. I'm just going to call and try to stack the guy because quite often when someone's betting big on the flop, they're announcing that their hand is very strong. And if their hand is very strong, well, I certainly want to be in there with my flush draws because when I get my flush, my opponent's probably going to be unable to fold. So you don't really price out the draws. You just give them, you just let them know they probably have way bigger implied odds than they typically would, which is certainly not what you want to do. So anyway, when he bets big, I think he's really trying to price out the draws or he has a really good draw himself. If he has a really good draw himself, we're roughly flipping, like if he has ace, king of diamonds. And if he has a premium made hand, that's going to be pocket nines or better. Of course, I beat pocket nines, but I lose to everything else in that range. So I think this is actually just a fold. If this was a heads up pot, I would be inclined to call and see what develops. You know, maybe then the turn checks through or something like that and on the river he checks and then I can value bet. But multi-way, especially when I have two players yet to act in later position than me who have full ranges of eight sevens, fours, maybe even six five suited, certainly the good flush draws. This is a spot where I think I actually have an easy fold. And I'm not trying to fold over pairs. <laughs> I, I mean, if you guys know anything about me, it's that I typically am a calling station, if anything. But in this scenario, when our opponent bets a little bit more than the size of the pot on the flop, as a someone who I have tagged as a straightforward player, this guy's just betting whatever his strong hand is like he has it. So hope I fold. Please don't call. There you go. Good fold. So I fold, cutoff folds, and the other guy folds, the button folds, and the straightforward player just picks up the pot. And this is always frustrating to people who have pocket tens in this scenario because they have no clue if they made a good fold or if they just gave away this pot, right? And I think you just have to be happy enough conceding small pots. Notice we put in two big blinds before the flop. And then on the flop, at best, we were like slightly ahead or maybe a little bit ahead on average. Because even if my opponent's just bluffing with all of his overcards, it's not like we're demolishing that range, right? Usually, If he has like queen of diamonds, jack of spades, of course we're in fine shape, but it's not like we're crushing him. So... Um, whenever we're in bad shape, though, whenever his range is nut draws and overpairs, well, then we are actually completely crushed. So uh, this was definitely a, a line that leads to me getting pushed around. But I think in general, if you told me my opponent is a generic, straightforward player, I don't think he's going to be trying to push you around, especially with two other players yet to act. This, this guy just has a good hand, and he's trying to protect his range. I actually talk about this concept quite a bit in my small stakes books, strategies for beating small stakes poker tournaments and strategies for beating small stakes poker cash games. Also, I have a really big small stakes book coming out, I believe in June or July. So um, that may be out already by the time this comes out. And that is a book that's over 500 pages long going through in-depth range analysis. And this is this would be a really good example for that book, actually, where if you're playing against a straightforward amateur and he raises and then he bets more than the size of the pot on a low card board and you're sitting there with a marginal made hand, which my pocket tends is just a marginal made hand when facing a big bet like that, you should probably just fold because that straightforward guy probably isn't bluffing too much. He just has it. And this fold is something that will definitely conserve your stack. I mean, think about my alternatives, right? I could call the flop. And then what, fold if he bets the turn? I mean, that seems like I'm just burning 5,500. I could call the flop, and then if he checks, does that really mean I have the best hand? I mean, he could be checking the pocket aces there, fearing that he's against the set or something. So that doesn't work out too well. I could raise the flop, but then if he re-raises, I just burn 12,000 chips. That also doesn't seem good. So there, there aren't really very many good options. And notice that a lot of the options lead to me playing for a giant chunk of my stack. So do I really want to play for a giant chunk of my stack with a marginal made hand? Definitely not. Um, so anyway... 
Hope you enjoyed this hand. You can check out those books at jonathanlowpoker.com slash books. You can also get the audiobook of those completely for free if you've never signed up for Audible at jonathanlillipoker.com slash free. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of free content over at jonathanlillipoker.com, and um, the audiobook offer is a fantastic one because you get two of my books for free. So jonathanlillipoker.com slash free. Check that out, and um, be sure to check back next week for another episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Thanks for being here today.